Welcome to Create a Mess Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of successful individuals in their field. Using the platform of the Triangle of Life, my interviewees will share their methodologies of how they use mental, emotional, and social platforms to find their physical, tangible success. So as the title says, Create a Mess, it becomes a play on words to create another type of MES in success. So as I always told my team, I coach in my past, to create a mess, let's make a home away from home. Let's go. In episode nine, my guest, Josh Kessler, will tell you a story of what he calls the most important thing in his life, family. Be prepared to be in the trenches with Josh during this episode as Josh and his son Jake teach us all how to make a miracle out of a nightmare. As an old high school teammate of mine and of episode four's guest, Mac, back in our cross country and running days, we truly learn of what it takes to live life tough as nails. Now, let's join your host, Stephen J. Fenton, with Episode 9. All right, folks, welcome back. Episode 9 to Create a Mess. I'm your host, uh, as always, Stephen J. Fenton here, trying to spread that mess, create that mess, that play on words, that mental, emotional, and social intangibles in life. And uh, my goal was to bring on people onto my show that have experienced things with their own physical tangibles in many different ways. I've had on a jiu-jitsu head instructor. I've had on a naval uh, a doctor academy. I've had on a rock star. Well, folks, we're in for a treat today because I've got somebody who I met almost about 30 years ago. And to be honest with you, it's been about 20 years since I've seen him. But uh, it's a privilege and an honor to have an old friend, an old teammate on our this podcast. And I'll tell you, your story, the story he's going to share with you today it's both going to be a story that's going to bring you to an emotion, but it's also going to bring you to an inspiration. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest today, Josh Kessler. Josh, it's so, so nice to have you on the show. Thanks, Stephen. Great to be here. Really look forward, looking forward to speaking to you tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, folks, um, Josh is a, an old friend that I met in high school. Uh, he'll tell us a little bit about that story. We, uh, we were teammates, and if you listen to my other episode with Mac, he knew us pretty well as well. The three of us were part of a pretty special group back in the day when we ran some uh, cross-country and track, and Josh was one of the best runners and, one of, what can I say, hardest workers, but even a better person that I looked up to um, as a young runner when I was watching Josh run. So before we dive into the stories and to about Josh and what you've been through, let's, uh, if you don't mind, Josh, just introduce yourself to our guests. Tell us, uh, tell our guests a little bit about who you are and kind of like where you grew up, what you do now, a little bit about your life and just get our listeners to know a little bit about Josh Kessler. Absolutely. So I, uh, grew up in the small town of Springfield, New Jersey with, uh, with Steven, um, went to, uh, to Jonathan Dayton High School and was um, very much into running. So cross country, winter, spring track. Um, really, that running was my life, you know, in, in high school. Um, after I graduated, I went to Rutgers College, was a political science major, 
and then went on to law school, actually. And um, I went to University of Pennsylvania Law School. And when I graduated, I, I practiced for a few years in, in, in corporate law. And then I actually moved on to um, onto the business side of things and went into uh, to financial services, which is what I've been doing for um, really the past you know, 17 plus years. So I run, um, I run a business now for a large bank um, that's a hedge fund related business, helping in, uh, hedge fund investors really invest in sort of a safer, more controlled way built from the from the ground up literally from from zero to um to really you know a very successful platform today so it's been uh you know been a great journey and most important thing in my life is you know is really my family so i've known my wife for almost 30 years so we've been married um 21 years now and um i have i really have three children but um i have a a 14 year old daughter. I have a son who, who passed away that, that we will, we will talk about after multiple bouts with cancer who would be turning 17. And then I actually have a three-year-old son as well. Um, that, uh, that keeps me, keeps me very young and on my toes. So they, they are the most important thing to me. And, you know, I, I really do try to focus my life on, on balancing, you know, my work and, and, uh, you know, along with my family, because I, you know, family time is very important and it's you know i think when you hear my full story you'll understand you know even more about my perspective on uh, on the importance of family uh josh i love that you said the word that i use a lot of balancing because uh i mean that's the whole reason i excuse me started this podcast was just to get people out there our listeners to to really find their own balance and that's the cool part now before we dive into your story i really liked what you said there i actually didn't know you went to law school buddy pretty cool and uh, I didn't knew nothing about you running the business. Here I know I, the, the only thing I knew about Josh, folks, was me and him would run together, and I could never catch up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the things you said, the most important thing in my life is family. And then you know, if you could tell our listeners a little bit before your uh, before we get into your story about you said something about you ran a, you're running a business, you built it from the ground up. Yep. There's got to be a correlation between there about that feeling of that most important thing in your family, and then how you are and what you did to get that business to build up. Can you kind of just build that small bridge before we dive into anything else? Yeah, I mean, I, I will. So I, you know, joined a really what was a startup business. It was really a, an idea uh, in 2012. So almost 10 years ago, I was brought on as the chief operating officer at the time. And they basically said, you know, this is, this is the plan for our business. We have some backing, um, and, you know, can you help come on and, and make it happen? And, you know, I, I was given the ability to sort of build out my team, hire people. And there's a group of people that I had worked with um, previously for, for many years. And, and honestly, I, I view them as as family because we, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like running or, you know, anything else that you when you really, you know, are in the trenches with people, you build a certain relationship. And they grow to be, you know, much more than colleagues or teammates. It becomes, you know, a family type thing. And so mm-hmm. I brought on a team of people that I was, you know, really close with. So they're really a sort of personal friends as well as colleagues. And um, I, that's sort of where I would draw a little bit of a parallel that I think that helped drive me, you know, having people around me that I really cared about as people in addition to, you know, to colleagues. And we all trusted each other and we were able to build this company from, 
zero to uh, you know a platform that actually has, we have 37 billion in assets on our platform today, which is wow. shocking. You know, just in terms of if if you had told me that, even though I'm a pretty confident guy and I believe in myself, I never would have believed we could achieve these heights. But when you you know, it's one of those things again. Like if you're going back to our cross country days, like when you have a group of people and you work together as a team, you believe in yourselves and you push forward. Um, you know, there's great things you can achieve. And I certainly could correlate that back to, you know, my own family. And, and again, the personal story that I'll share with everybody tonight about, you know, just again, the relationships and believing in people, family are, you know, emotions that can, that can drive you in all kinds of ways in life. In the trenches with them, just like you said, and, uh, folks, I can tell you that, um, the way that he was talking about a business and to be honest with you, if you can live your life, just as Josh just talked about, like being in the trenches, whether you're in a business or in a really stressful situation in your personal family, I mean, those are feelings inside of you that create connections between people, which I always call that social part of that triangle of life. And that keeps you balanced, just like Josh said before. So Josh, if you don't mind, I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know bits and pieces of it. I'm really excited to learn about your son, um, a little bit more about, you know, what he's been for both you and your family. Um, up front, I just want to say thank you for agreeing to come on and share this to the world and something that has probably been the most stressful thing in your life. So I'm honored to listen. And if you don't mind, if you could share with our listeners the story of your son. Absolutely. No, no thank you. And it's, you know, before I jump into it, it's just it's definitely something, you know, that is very important to me, both in, in terms of, you know, helping to keep his memory alive, but also sharing, you know, with people, you know, not not a lot of people know the impact and, and how prevalent pediatric cancer is, mm. you know, in our country and in the world and how sort of underfunded it is by the federal government and thing, things of that nature. And, and, you know, that, that there's just tons of people out there that, you know, are in need of help. And it's something that, um, you know, that, that, that impacts a lot of families in, in a very devastating way. So it's, it's important to me that people hear that story and, you know, that we try to make a you know positive change in the world. So, you know, my son was born totally healthy. He lived a very normal and healthy life until, uh, shortly after he turned seven years old. Um, I, you know, I'll never forget it. It was the fall of 2012. He started to complain, you know, having some pain in his legs. You know, we, we took him to doctors. They said it's, you know, it's growing pains. You know, he's, he's fine. Um, and there were just little different things that, you know, in isolation, none of them made us really think anything of it. You know, he would, you know, we, at night when I'd go check on him, he'd be sweating a lot while he was sleeping. Um, he had a couple of other weird, you know, sort of viruses and things happen. Um, but eventually it, it got to the stage. It was, I'll also never forget this. It was um, the, the weekend the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2012. And literally it was Super Bowl night. He was just not himself, not looking good. And, and you know, while we're cheering on the Giants, my wife and I looked at each other and said, got to go to the doctor tomorrow and demand that they, you know, do some tests because something's, you know, something's not right. So I went to work the next day. Ironically, this is almost an unbelievable, you know, part of the story that I literally accepted the new job that I just, I just talked to you about. Wow. Um, 
at, you know, that day I called my wife. I said, I'm, you know, I'm coming home. You know, I knew she had taken him to the doctor. We were waiting for blood test results. And I got on the train. And while I was on the train, my wife called and, you know, in hysterics and said, you know, the doctors believe Jake has, you know, has leukemia. And I was in just such shock. I, you know, literally just fell back on the train. And I remember this, this older woman had to, she knew something was really wrong, had to hold me up. And that's, you know, that's where it all started. We, you know, we went to the hospital that night and it turned out that he had uh, what's called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. It's probably the most, I think it is the most common pediatric, you know, cancer out there. And, you know, typically it is very treatable. Um, unfortunately for Jake, it, it wasn't as treatable. So mo most kids that have it, you know, will go into, they'll get a standard course of chemo and within like a month they're in remission and they do have to continue with a chemo course for quite a while, but you know, yeah, as long as they do that, it's, it's pretty much, you know, cured. Um, and there's certainly long-term side effects from having all those, you know, poisons and whatnot, but, but it is very, very curable in like 95% of cases. Unfortunately for Jake, he was in the, the 5% that it, that it did not put him into remission. So, you know, month after month, um, we would wait and they'd say, you know, no, there's still, you know, cancer in his blood. It's not, you know, it's not going into remission. And we, you know, we got, you know, more and more worried and we eventually moved him to Memorial Sloan Kettering from, you know, from a local hospital. Um, and, it, you know, he was having such trouble, cure, you know, going into remission that the, the doctor said, look, he's, looks like he's going to need a bone marrow transplant. Um, and in order to have a bone marrow transplant, you need to find a donor. And, and someone has to have, you know, has to be a match and, and, you know, have the right attributes. And so our whole family got tested and it turned out that, which is, you know, pretty rare. My, my daughter, who was at the time was five years old, was a match. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. And they said, we have, you know, we have families who have 12 kids and there's no, you know, no matches. So wow. we felt, you know, this was sort of, you know, in that way, it was like a miracle and, you know, this is going to be, you know, our cure. And, 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 and at the time it was, and it is, you know, a bone marrow transplant is about as intense, you know, a physical process as you can go through. Jake had to go into the hospital. He had to take, you know, unbelievably high dose chemo and then have everything in his body irradiated because they have to basically destroy, you know, everything in your bone marrow to welcome you know, the new cells. And so it's a really devastating, you know, process. And, you know, I should have already mentioned this, you'll hear me say it, you know, many times throughout telling this story, but Jake was just, um, just the toughest kid you could ever imagine. I mean, he, he never complained about any of the stuff he went through. You know, it's, it sounds like, you know, this is just something you say, but it's totally true. He, he never asked, you know, why me? Why is this happening? He, you know, why, you know, why not somebody else? He just sort of moved forward, trusted in the process and, you know, was, was not only tough as nails, but just always smiling, always happy, even when he was going through, you know, hell that's worse than, you know, just about anything anyone, you know, can imagine. So, you know, that, that was something that, um, you know, kept us all going. And, and it's something I, I really do attribute to what I think was, you know, pretty amazing, you know, attitude in terms of the way our whole family, you know, handled the entire, you know, process that he went through, which is, 
if your kid is not complaining and he's smiling, you know, it's just sort of, how can you not do the same? So, um, and you'll hear me say this as well. I mean, there is no greater hero, you know, that I have, you know, uh, that I've ever met that, you know, that, that is, that is more, you know, heroic to me than Jake. Um, because for someone to go through what he went through at such a young age and handle it the way he did, it's, it's just something I, you know, I try to emulate, you know, every day and in the little ways, you know, small ways that I can. So he, you know, he, he was in the hospital for, I think two months. Yes. Yes. You, you have to be in total isolation when you receive a bone marrow transplant because you basically have no immune system, any kind of germs, you know, you get could, could be, you know, deadly. So, um, he had the transplant me and my daughter was, you know, also an unbelievable hero at the age of five to go in, you know, have this procedure, donate her, you know, her bone marrow to, to, to Jake, you know, and she's not even in kindergarten yet, you know, and, and oh, does this. Um, and then, you know, to make matters worse, it's, you know, my wife basically stayed with Jake, you know, in the hospital for those couple of months. So my daughter, Lily, you know, did this, this transplant and then effectively couldn't see her mom, you know, for a couple of months. So it, you know, it was a really, 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 you know, tough, you know, tough process. Um, thank God the, you know, the transplant went well, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't take, and, you know, there's a lot of situations where, you know, it's not, it doesn't work as planned, but it worked, you know, perfectly. And he was, you know, for the time being, he was, you know, he was cured and he, you know, came home those couple months later and began to recover and, you know, um, return to normal life. And he was, you know, he was healthy for, for four and a half years, totally returned to normal life, played, you know, every sport, you know, you can imagine I coached him in, in many of them, you know, soccer, baseball, oh, basketball, you know, uh, hockey, you know, you name it, lacrosse, he played, you know, all of them. He went, awesome. went away to summer camp for, you know, seven weeks for multiple summers without us, you know, he did, he just returned to be, be totally normal to the point where, you know, obviously nobody, you wouldn't, if you didn't know the story, you would never have known, you know, what he, what he went through. Sure. Um, and then in the, uh, this was the, the, the December of 2016. Um, again, he, that, that whole fall, he had started, he really had complained of headaches a lot. And we did, again, took him to doctors. They didn't think much again of it at the time. Um, I suffer from migraines since I'm a kid. So we figured, you know, unfortunately inherited that from me, but the headaches got worse and worse. And again, it was one of these situations where my wife called me one day at work and said, he's been sent home from school with a headache. And I said, you know, let's take him to Sloan Kettering and not leave until they tell us, you know, that, that, you know, what the diagnosis is and that there's nothing wrong. And sadly, you know, we, we didn't leave. Um, so we went, we went that night they did an MRI. Um, and I remember it was, there was a lot of confusion. We did this MRI and we, they didn't tell us to sort of stay around. We figured it was like a lot of other tests, like you would take it and then you'd go home and tomorrow you'd get the results. We were driving home and we got a call from the doctor saying from the hospital saying, you know, you need to come back, you know, immediately. Um, and obviously I'm not sure I've ever had my heart, you know, drop, as much as it did at that moment, just, you know, in the car, I, I didn't even need to hear all the, you know, the, the formal uh, results. I knew it was something terrible if they had told us to turn around and it was like 10 o'clock at night. Sure. So we went to the hospital. Um, they sort of got him, 
you know, on a, laying down on a bed and hooked up to some things. And they took me outside and they said, you know, your son has, a, you know, very large brain tumor um, on the on the right frontal lobe of, of his brain. And, and it was just, I mean, you know, again, just flooring. And I asked, you know, is it, you know, is it cancerous? And they said, you know, it's very aggressive. And, we, you know, we, we think it is. Um, and so literally they were like, it's so bad that he's got to be operated on tomorrow because we're afraid there could be a hemorrhage or something like that. So we went from being, you know, normal to everything, you know, he had been healthy and fully recovered to, and, and obviously we always worried about the leukemia coming back. We never thought that there would be some other cancer that he might get. Um, and so in one day, you know, we're, you know, he's about to have an eight hour brain surgery. Um, and I'll never forget, I I had to tell, you know, um, we had, he was in a, you know, admitted to a hospital room and I had to go in and tell him what was going on, you know, which is obviously about as hard a thing as you can possibly do. Um, you know, and I explained to him that he had this, you know, this thing in his head and, the doctors were going to go in and take it out, you know, the next day. Um, and he just very, you know, matter of factly looked at me and he said, he asked me two questions. He goes, you know, am I going to lose my hair? And what am I going to do about my math test tomorrow? <laughs> okay. And that, and that was it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't cry. Amazing. He didn't show any fear. He just, wow. he just said that. And, um, he went in and, you know, had this, this surgery and, um, you know, unfortunately what we, what we learned is he had something called glioblastoma, which is, it's basically the most, you know, aggressive brain tumor you can have. It's what John McCain and Bo Biden, you know, to name a couple of, you know, well-known people who have had, you know, had this disease, you know, have had, and it's, it's universally deadly. There's, you know, Basically, uh, you know, if you know that the, anyone that's involved in the sort of glioblastoma community, you know, knows that there's probably a names of five people that have like ever survived it. And they're, they're pretty much known by by name. So it's it's not really something you survive. And so, you know, we, we knew that from, you know, from really early on, which was, you know, obviously completely devastating. And what the doctors, you know, believe is that from the radiation that Jake received when he had leukemia, a very rare side effect of that radiation, which is to your whole body, including your brain, is that you can develop uh, a brain tumor. And, and they're, you know, fairly certain that that is what caused this. So ultimately, the cure and the treatment he received to survive the leukemia is what, you know, what caused this. Um, and, you know, there's not really a good treat, you know, treatment for this disease. You know, they, they operate, remove as much of the tumor as they can they do more radiation and they'll give you a little bit of, you know, chemo and that's, that's basically it. And it's, you know, hundred percent guaranteed to, to fail and the, and the tumor will, you know, will recur. So, you know, he, he, he was able to, um, you know, have this, this, you know, again, eight hour surgery. It was, it was brutal to sit and wait for those eight hours um, for the doctors to come out and say, you know, everything went well and he's going to be okay, which, which fortunately was, was the case. Uh, he recovered, you know, really quickly, you know, then had to go through 40 rounds of radiation, you know, every day for, for you know, it was 
again, 40 days and it was weekdays. So, uh, you know, eight straight weeks of, of radiation every day. And he handled it, you know, again, like a champ. Um, and, you know, then we, we tried to, you know, what we always tried to do through all of these, these trials and tribulations was to keep his life, you know, as, as normal as possible and to just always fill his life with things that, you know, would keep him, you know, happy um, and keep all of us, you know, smiling despite everything that was going on. So whether it was, you know, we would travel, we'd go out to eat, he loved food and to eat at different restaurants and he would eat all kinds of exotic, you know, foods and he loved sports. So we'd go to games and, you know, we loved movies. So he and I went to dozens of movies together. So whenever we, you know, we're not, you know, stuck in the hospital. And even then we tried to make, you know, make things as, you know, I don't, you know, fun is the wrong word, but we tried to fill in, you know, whether it was just having a laugh or whether it was bringing in, you know, his favorite food while we were waiting for hours there or being treated, you know, we just tried to do things to, you know, not, not make it as depressing and negative as the situation, you know, really, really was. And he, you know, he, he was amazing, you know, through, through everything. He actually played baseball, um, you know, while he was going through a lot wow. of his treatment, we played, played in the little league and, and, you know, our town has been, just that we live in the town of Livingston, New Jersey. The community's been, you know, unbelievably supportive. Um, and, you know, that year, we're, you know, we're big Yankee fans. So our little league team was the Yankees. Um, Jake has yeah. always, always worn the number seven from the time he was like, I had my T-ball. That was his number. Every kid on his team wore, you know, that number and his name, you know, on the back of their jerseys. Um, and the whole league just sort of rallied around, Jake, um, we ran a program that we called Knock Cancer Out of the Park, where uh, every um, time a kid hit a home run in the league, we were able to raise money for, a, you know, $100 per home run would be donated to pediatric cancer research. And the kids, you know, really got into it. And, you know, there were just a couple of sort of Disney magical kind of moments where, you know, Jake, one of the games, it was like, you know, the, the bottom of, they play six inning games, you know, in Little League it was bottom of the sixth. And uh, tie game and Jake scored the winning run and was, mm-hmm. you know, like just literally, you know, attacked by the whole team after, you know, <laughs> at the plate, including me, he was one of his coaches. And it was just, you know, we had many, 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 you know, situations, you know, magical things like that, which kept, you know, his spirit up and, and, and all of our, you know, our spirits up. So it was, you know, really, really, you know, magical season. Um, and, you know, in the, in the fall of the following year, he would go for regular MRIs to see what was going on with, with his, you know, with his tumor and whether anything had come back. And we got news, you know, from the doctors that the, the tumor was starting to grow back. And they basically said to us, you know, take him home and, you know, make him comfortable. There's, there's nothing more we can do for him. Um, and, you know, I just refused to take that for, you know, for an answer. And I had been, you know, I'd been really doing a lot of research about experimental treatments that were being done in, in the you know, brain cancer space. Um, and I had really prepared myself and I, I was, you know, uh, I view myself as fortunate because one, you know, I obviously had the education to do a lot of this work. I have a lot of people that introduced me to 
all kinds of doctors, not only around the country, around the world, you know, people at pharmaceutical companies. And I had been just pouring myself, like when I wasn't working and spending time with my family, I was pouring myself into learning about the disease and how I could, you know, possibly, you know, treat, you know, get access to treatment for him. And, you know, we, we all of a sudden just went into action and tried to get Jake into clinical trials that were running around the country. And I had a list of ones that I thought were the most promising. And I know I, Jake and I flew to a few places. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm, and it, it, my, uh, my, my whole family came to, to some of them and we got rejected from, I don't know, two or three places. Uh, one of them was in Florida. We were at the university of Florida. And I remember my wife and I looked at each other. We said, all right, this failed, but you know, we have, the kids are here. So let's just go to Disney world, you know, for a day. So we went, <laughs> we went to Disney world. And, I, and while we were there, the kids didn't really know it, but I was call, still calling all these doctors, sending all these emails. And while, and we got, you know, we got a call from a doctor at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, saying, I think Jake is eligible, eligible for our trial. And it was one of the ones I was, you know, most excited about. Wow. Um, the trial, you know, which is, it's really, you know, crazy approach to, to a treatment, which was... Um, using what they call an oncolytic virus. And that means that they take a virus. In this case, it was the herpes virus. They, they re-engineer it so that, uh, you know, it doesn't do what it normally does, but it attacks the tumor cells um, only. So instead of attacking, you know, healthy cells, it attacks the tumor cells. And it also, because it's a virus, it awakens your immune system to the presence of, you know, these cancer cells. So it can, the immune system itself can help, you know, fight the the cancer. So Jake was one of five kids at the time to, to do this trial in the, you know, in the country. And it actually, you know, he did it again, another situation where he was just so heroic in the, in the process, you know, he, he had to go down to Alabama for a month. They had to hook um, catheters up to inside. They literally drilled holes into his skull to put these catheters in his brain and drip the virus in. Wow. And, you know, he was again, you know, just the, the same way, just always smiling at the, you know, no fear, you know, in, in the process. And it did, you know, it did have, um, you know, a real positive impact. Sadly, most children or adults that have this disease, they survive for about 12 months. And Jake, you know, lived for two, two, almost two and a half years. Um, wow. And I'll, and a lot of that, you know, we attribute to, you know, to him doing, uh, you know, doing this, this trial. So, yeah, so we did that. And, you know, he was able to come home at the time. So he was, you know, about to turn 13. We, we were, you know, we were planning to have him get bar mitzvahed. We didn't know if we were going to be able to do it because of everything that was going on. And we decided you know, we're going to go forward. And it was, it was, you know, weeks after he had received this, this treatment. And amazingly, we were able, you know, he was able to be bar mitzvahed. We had a huge, you know, party uh, to celebrate him. And it was, you know, one of the most amazing days of my life, you know, just because it, it was this real celebration of him and that he had survived all of this and was healthy. Um, and, you know, and there were just sort of many things from, from there, many memories that we were able to have, because his life, you know, was extended and we tried to fit so much. I mean, I, I could go on for too many sure. hours on things we did, whether it was, he got invited to Yankee stadium, 
met Aaron Boone um, and went into his office, whether it was, you know, we did it. His dream trip was to go to Hawaii. We did that. Um, He sat on the floor at a Knicks game with the the Garden of Dreams, which is the foundation through the garden, invited us to do that. I mean, I could give you so many stories of just amazing, you know, memories that we were able to to have. Um, But most importantly, you know, was seeing the birth of his, uh, you know, of his brother. Um, awesome. We, you know, my wife and I had never really thought we were going to have another child, but we, when everything happened with Jake, we just sort of decided we, you know, there was, it was such a nightmare. We were going to try to make a miracle out of the nightmare. And, um, and we were able to have Luke um, and Jake, you know, was there the day he was born, held them in his arms. And it was, uh, you know, pretty amazing, you know, amazing thing. Um, so, you know, sadly we'll fast forward, you know, to April, April of, uh, 2019, you know, Jake had not been doing well for several months, really once the new year came in in 19, he just started to, to go downhill. I mean, it was, it's, it, you know, very, very painful to watch, you know, he lost the ability to use one arm, then he lost the ability to walk you know, different, different things that were happening as the tumor was encroaching, you know, on, on his different parts of his brain. Um, and, you know, we knew it was, it was getting bad and, um, you know, he had to go on, on hospice in, in late, late March. And he, you know, he passed um, on, eight, on April 11th, 2019. And it was, you know, as devastating as, you know, anything you could, you could, you could possibly, you know, imagine. Um, and it is, you know, we try to live every day, you know, as normally as, as you can. And, you know, most people, I think if they met my wife or I would, unless we told you this story, they wouldn't know what we've been through, but it is, you know, there are a lot of people that go through, and I think this is the case. I know I heard, you know, Mac's story, you know, about his father, you know, as well, when I listen to your podcast, you know, mourning is, you know, it's something, it just, it sort of never ends. And certainly when it's your child, you know, never does. So I can tell you, you know, there's not a night I go to bed or, you know, day I wake up in the morning that I don't, you know, think about him, but we try to live our lives to, you know, to honor him, to, um, you know, remember him. And, you know, we have, you know, one thing that we've done is we created a foundation called trial blazers for kids, you know, in his honor and memory, which, you know, our, our sole purpose is to raise funds to um, fund innovative clinical trials. So not just regular stuff that we know has been tried for years, but innovative things like what he did down in Alabama, because it, it's, there's just so few options for children. That's what I learned when I was doing all this research. You'd be shocked if you were, you know, an 80-year-old, you know, man or woman, you'd have dozens of things you could you could try, but if you're a child, there's almost nothing, you know, available. And it's, it's a dirty secret that most people don't know. So we really have, you know, committed to this mission of trying to help, you know, make whatever difference we can, um, you know, in, in, in changing that. So, you know, that, that's what we do. Um, but I could just, you know, Jake was just, uh, really, uh, you know, shining light, you know, in the world, he's, you know, so many friends, and, and obviously family members and just others in our community and people that he touched that, you know, remember him and how he, you know, at such a young age handled just the worst adversity you could possibly face. And, 
I think he's been an inspiration to a lot of people and certainly to me. So I'll, I'll stop there. I've said, you know, a ton, um, but that's, you know, in, in a, in a bit, that's the, that's the story. Josh, tough as nails, tough, tough as nails. You said it right there. I can't get that out of my head. Um, I know this is a podcast. Um, I know this is, I want to reach across the phone and hug you. Uh, I could speak for all the listeners as I'm sure you felt the, uh, the feeling of a human connection right here, that sad we all feel, but there's a thousand directions I can go right now, but I really want to ask you this question, Josh, if you don't mind. Yeah. I want to know about Jake. I want to know about what he, what he looked like and what, what, what was it? What was he like? And uh, what was your favorite things about him? I, I re- as, as a listener myself right now, and I'm trying to put a visual in my, my, my heart and my mind. And I really hope you don't mind. I, I just, I want to know about him. Can you, can you share yeah. like your, everything you can think of about, about Jake? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was um, just always had, you know, a smile that, um, you know, could melt the room. He had, <laughs> That's awesome. he had, you know, beautiful blue eyes, um, you know, brown awesome. hair. And he was just, um, you know, always just so so fun to be around. I, I like to say he brought a, you know, a magic to to everything we did because he just loved life and he loved, you know, new experiences. Cool. So whether it was like traveling with him or again, going, you know, going to a restaurant, going to a ball game, whatever it was, he was just so happy to, to be doing, you know, to be out there and living life and having fun that it was hard not to, you know, not to enjoy stuff. Um, So that was, you know, he just had, he was very quiet, you know, very shy. Um, So, you know, he wasn't a man of many words, I'd say, but he (laughs) sort of, but he sort of, you know, spoke with his actions, Um, whether that was his smile or whether that was just his, you know, his toughness, the way he handled stuff, you know, people were, you know, were still attracted to him and inspired, you know, by him um, because of the way, you know, just the way he was. Um, And he loved, you know, again, food was his, his passion and he just, you know, he would, as much as he loved sports, like he would rather go to like the finest restaurant than the Super Bowl. Like that was what he was, you know, he was into. Um, so you got to tell me, you got to tell me his favorite yeah. food. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm dying to oh, know wow. what was Jake's favorite food and favorite restaurant. What was it? So, oh, there's a bunch, but he, he loved sushi. That was really oh, like wow. his favorite. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you ever heard of Nobu, which is, you know, big, big time Japanese place in, yeah. in Manhattan. It's known as like one of the, 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 you know, the best Japanese restaurants in, you know, certainly in, in the U.S. And he, he loved, you know, the few times he got to go there. That was a special experience. Um, another a great as well is um, if you ever heard of Rayos. Um, you know, you can buy the Rayos sauce in the supermarket, but there's a restaurant called Rayos. It's in East Harlem and it's, you, you can't make a reservation. There are people that, you know, own tables there. That's it. Like, it's like having season tickets. Like, and there's, there's like six tables in the whole place. Um, and so, you know, tons of, you know, famous people, presidents, like even they have to find somebody who has, you know, is one of the few people have had tables and it's been around for, I don't know, I think at least, you know, a hundred years. And a friend of mine, you know, had, had a friend who had a table 
and he knew Jake's story and he got us, he got us in there in the last few months, really of Jake's life. He made it happen and they, they don't even allow children in the restaurant. So they made a special exception. And it happened and Jake went there. And he went there. It's the, you know, it's the, known as the hardest reservation basically in the country to get. Wow. And he, and he went and they treated him like, I mean, just total gold from the moment he walked in, they, you know, brought him into the kitchen, took pictures with him there. They gave him signed menu. I mean, you can't even believe the experience, you know, you know, we had there. So, and again, I, this is just another one of those stories. I could tell you like 50 things like this and the kindness that we experienced. It's another thing I would, you know, note just the unbelievable kindness that we experienced from sometimes pure strangers who did amazing things for us. Sometimes it was people we knew, but as, as you know, and I know, you know, the world can seem like a really negative place and, and there are definitely components where it feels like that, but there's also so much love and kindness out there. Um, and that is, that is what we learned, you know, through our experience. It just, I mean, he touched a lot of people, but a lot of people touched him and touched, you know, our family. Um, and I guess one other thing I, I really do need to mention is just going back to the, the uh, theme of family, right? So, the way that our family came together, you know, I got to mention my wife, you know, number one was just unbelievable. I mean, she's just an unbelievable person and the best mother I could ever, you know, imagine. I mean, she was so dedicated to Jake through everything we went through, went to with every doctor's appointment with him, you know, tried to juggle everything, whether it was, you know, with my daughter, eventually with, you know, with, with Luke, our other son, you know, she was just always by his side and, you know, she was Jake's favorite person undoubtedly, (laughs) you know, in the world. Um, And then, you know, our, luckily we live near all of our parents. And so, you know, all the grandparents played a part again, the importance of family, you know, we never could have gotten through this experience without them and without their love and support whether it was, again, taking care of one of the other kids when we had to go to a doctor's appointment, just being there, you know, for us. Um, Jake, you know, really had deep relationships with all of his, you know, his grandparents. And of course, you know, my daughter who made unbelievable sacrifices. It's, you know, one of the things that never gets mentioned when you talk about, you know, childhood illness or pediatric cancer is the siblings that are healthy, they do suffer you know, tremendously one seeing their sibling go through this, but also they just don't get as much attention as they should because you have to focus on, you know, it's triage. you got to focus on the person that, you know, has the most need. Um, And so again, the strength of, of our entire family was, you know, pretty remarkable. And that's what, you know, that's what it's all about. That's what got us through, you know, got us through everything. And that was all inspired by, by Jake. Um, if you don't mind, can you just tell me your wife's name and your daughter's name? Absolutely. My wife's name is, is Galit. Um, and it's a, it's an Israeli name. So probably okay. not one that most people are familiar with. Sure. Um, and then, uh, Lily is my daughter's name and she's now, Lily's now a freshman in high school. She's, she's 14 years old, which is, you know, time, time flies by. <laughs> You're not kidding. So is there a time, and I'm not looking so much for a memory, but I'm kind of like putting you on the spot here at the same yeah. time, where, where your wife and Lily and you and Jake were at your house or somewhere and something that just sticks out in your heart and you can like, as sad and hard as this situation is, it just, it, 
that love straightforward to your heart and not so much about the specifics, but maybe about a feeling that I'm trying to bring out that you can share with our listeners because, because I can, I can almost feel it now, although I never met your son, I can feel the love coming through this podcast. Is there something yeah. that you remember that you're like, oh, wow. with your family? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, there's, there's so many, you know, so many times, um, you know, and a lot of times it really would be um, when we traveled. So, you know, we tried to travel, you know, even it was just short trips, you know, as much as we possibly could. So did a, you know, a lot of trips um, while Jake was sick, just knowing we had limited time. And, and fortunately he was, you know, healthy enough to be able to travel, whether it was, yeah. you know, we did trips to Hawaii, to Arizona, to California, to Boston, um, um, you know, we did Cape Cod, tons of different trips that we did and, um, you know, getting away from everything, I think, you know, we're not near a hospital, we're not near any of the other awesome. distractions, just, just the family, you know, being together. And it was, you know, it's, it's crazy to, to say, you know, but it was always just so normal even That's when awesome. he was so ill. I mean, we just, we never really focused on that. It was just like, you know, a normal family just being out, having a good time, having laughs. We just, we didn't let the other stuff get in the way. We never, you know, curled up in a ball and said, you know, we've, we're going to feel sorry for ourselves because part of it was knowing, now I always put it this way, it's going to sound, you know, crazy, but it's, you know, it's very real, which is, you know, people that, that lose a loved one in an instant, you know, where they're hit by a car, God forbid, you know, so, something like that. And you never got to say goodbye to them. You never, you know, you wish you had that, that extra moment, you know, sure. we, we, we knew for, you know, two and a half years that we were going to lose Jake, but we had all of that time to, to enjoy him and to live life. And we, we really tried to do that. So I think we all really tried to soak it in and live it up and make as many memories as possible. So, I mean, I, I could tell you, I remember, I remember every day. And I mean, I don't know if you followed my, my Facebook posts and I don't, I don't usually do a ton of posting, but I was inspired. This was the day, I think it was the day of Jake's funeral. It just came to me that I was going to post a memory of him with a story to sort of, as a way to one, tell his story to a, a lot of people and as a you know, a way to mourn and just a catharsis um, and also a way to just record all these memories fresh in my mind, you know, about him so that I'd be able to see them and our family and, you know, one day awesome. Lily and Luke would be able to read them. And so for 366 days, because it was a leap year, I, I did a memory, you know, every day of all kinds, you know, some of them were funny, some of them were, you know. I, I rarely tried to make them sad, but some of them had, you know, sad tinge, but sure. that they really, you know, some of them were, you know, just about going to a Yankee game and others were about, you know, having a bone marrow transplant. And it, right. and I think I, I couldn't even believe the following, you know, the way people embrace this. I mean, I thought it was just going to be something I did for myself, but I started getting, you know, a ton of friend requests. I started having people walk up to me that I never even met, you know, at restaurants and stuff saying, you know, Hey, I'm from town or I'm from the next town over. I heard about what you're doing and I've been following it and I'm so moved. And I mean, I just couldn't even believe it to be because I never intended it to be that. But I, and I always viewed it as nothing to do with me, but everything to do with Jake and, you know, what the way he could inspire people and what his life, you know, really meant. 
that was Jake working through you, Josh. And yep. he, uh, he was working through you every day. And just like you said before, not once did he ever ask why him. He just he just lived his life amazing. Um, I want to ask, I mean, this is without a doubt probably one of the most stressful situations uh, anybody can encounter. And you kind of mentioned it really early on in our conversation, but if you could talk to our listeners a little bit about your perspective, kind yeah. of about where life is in your mind now, your perspective on things. I mean, as you said, and I think we talked about off the air, like, you know, it goes so fast. You've even said it before, your daughter's already a freshman and you just never know. But can you just share with our listeners about what this has done for your perspective as well as your wife's and your family? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, um, there's so many aspects to it, but I think, you know, what stands out to me on a very personal level is, you know, I, I used to really get very stressed, you know, even going all the way back to high school and being a kid about, you know, things, whether it was the next test I had or, you know, the upcoming race going to run or whatever. I had a lot of stress and, and anxiety, you know, around things. <clears throat> um, and I, you know, and that, that definitely carried into my, my adulthood, you know, maybe not as bad, but it was, you know, something that followed me. And what I really, you know, one of the things that I've learned, you know, is, is just putting everything in perspective of, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, there's the, the really, there's really big things that matter, you know, out there. And, 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 you know, Jake really taught me, you know, only worry about the big stuff. Um, and even that, you know, approach it with the best, you know, the best of attitude, enjoy, you know, and live every day to the fullest as if you might not have another and, you know, love your family with everything, you know, you have because life is, you know, can be so fleeting. So, you know, I, I also, I don't sit around even though, you know, and my wife doesn't either, even though we've been through just this horrible experience. I mean, no one ever expects that their child is going to, you know, have cancer, let alone, you know, pass away. It's just not something that ever goes through your mind, but we don't, we don't sit around and say, because this horrible thing happened to us, you know, maybe something horrible is going to happen tomorrow. Like we just don't live like that. And again, it's what, you know, it's what we learned, you know, from Jake, which is just to have a positive attitude to, you know, to go on and, and just live your best self, you know, and, and that's what, that's what Jake would want us to do and, you know, to honor him. And, um, and that's, you know, that's the best, you know, sort of lesson and advice that I learned. Don't, don't sweat the small stuff in life. Um, focus on your family and, you know, just enjoy every moment, live it to the fullest, give, give, you know, give the most that you have to everything you do. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's the best attitude you can have. Well, I'll tell you, Jake uh, certainly was a great teacher I think he, for him to be able to show you all that and be as resilient as he could. And uh, even just hearing his story without even meeting him, I've learned so much, even in this short time and being together. I thank you for sharing the story. But before I let you go, I have two more questions for you. Sure. And I want I want you to touch a, a little bit upon because you, you kind of surprised me before when you talked to. pediatric cancer and the underfunded that the government um, yep. has for it. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about that. And you talked about this trial that accepted you in Alabama. And then you talked about yep. 
I believe Trailblazers for Kids you mentioned is a fundraiser or an organization that you're involved in or started. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about that? I'd like you to plug it, tell our listeners where they can find it, anything you can share with uh, some information you have. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. So, I mean, first it is, it is such a, you know, a sort of dirty secret that, that no one knows, which is, you know, only 4% of federal funding uh, goes to pediatric cancer. Um, so you, wow. you would think when, you know, when you really think about it, if you want to, even if you want to be, you know, not, um, not focused on the emotional, you know, human side of it, of, you know, wanting to, to make sure that, that we think about our children before anything else, even if you wanted to look at the economic side as a government and say, you know, who, you know, who do we want that's going to have the most productive, you know, amount of years as a taxpayer and all that kind of stuff. Not that I would ever think of it that way, but even if you want to take that cold hearted approach, you would Mm -hmm. think that we would, we would focus more on, you know, saving children than people that are, you know, in, in, in older ages, but we don't, we only put 4% of federal funding. And so there's, there's a deep, deep need for private funding, um, you know, for, for these trials for kids. And a lot of it is also because the drug companies can't make any money off of children because it's so rare, thank God, you know, um, although not as rare as you'd think, but there's so few kids compared to adults that have cancer. So, it, you know, developing a drug specifically uh, for um, pediatric cancer, it's not, it's not really a very profitable endeavor. And so private foundations need to come in and, and fund these things and we, you know, that, that's what we decided just through our experience and, and finding that out. And I, and I will say, you know, there was a big difference, like leukemia is so sadly, you know, common in, ter- in the pediatric cancer world. It's, it's, it's the, again, it's the most common childhood cancer. And it has a very, um, you know, accepted treatment course that is, you know, that does cure most kids. And so we never really knew about it when Jake first got sick, but when he, you know, got the brain tumor, which was not treatable, that's when we started learning about how few options there were, you know, out there. And so we formed, um, it's called trial blazers for kids. Um, so it's sort of a play on words, you know, because of clinical trials instead, you know, instead of trailblazers, it's trial blazers. So, um, you can find, you know, a lot more information about the foundation as well as about Jake, because we tell his whole story. There's a lot of pictures of him, um, on our website, which is www.trialblazers.org. And, um, you know, we have, you know, we have, you know, through a lot of support from friends, family, and our community, we've, you know, raised some money. We, we actually funded our first clinical trial earlier this year, wow. um, which was a successor to the one that Jake did in Alabama. Um, and we're, we're about to hopefully fund our second trial before the end of the year. And, um, you know, we've been a little slowed down, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and not being able to do the types of fundraisers, you know, that we might when things are more normal, but we're we're really looking to do big things and make a big difference in Jake's, you know, honor and, and memory. Awesome. I, you know, it's, it's sad. I, I didn't know anything about this and, you know, I'm probably one of many Josh that had no clue that how underfunded this whole thing was. And I'm really glad that you're able to move forward and help the world. Just like the world was able to do what they could to help you in your time. And yep. As human beings, you know, we spend so much time, you know, 
in a negative, stressful situation. And yet, like you said, there's so much love out there as well and kindness. And, uh, and your son was without a doubt the, the leader in that. So I got one more question for you before I let you sure. go. This has been a uh, incredible time to learn about your family. Uh, I can't thank you enough for being able to open your family up to our listeners and really share the story of your son. Um, but I'm going to throw you on the spot here a little bit and have, some, have a little fun. So you said that Jake's number was number seven. Is that true? Yep, that is true. All right. So here we go. Without any particular order, give me the seven things about Jake that you just love. <laughs> I wow. want to hear, I want to hear about this. The seven things in honor of Jake's number that you love. And it doesn't have to be any particular order, Josh, just sure. a little fun. So definitely, you know, his smile, you know, would be one. Awesome. Um, you know, his sense of humor would be another. He, you know, he had a really sort of, you know, sense of humor beyond his, his years. And we, we would have a lot of laughs and, <laughs> um, so love, love his sense of humor. Um, that, you know, again, that magic that he brought to everything, which is hard to even describe, but just how much fun it was to be around, around him. Um, his, you know, his attitude on life and just how he was able to, I don't even know how, but, you know, not, not be phased by going through just such a horrendous experience and, you know, continue to just love, you know, love life and enjoy every day, despite the fact that it was, it was so fleeting that, that is, you know, that is another thing. Um, his, um, Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, he, let me think. I think I got four there. I'm four. Yeah. Going. Yep. Um, definitely. I, you know, he, I loved, um, he, he, his love of tradition. So awesome. Jake, you know, every kind of, you know, tradition, whether it was like every year we would do a trip somewhere or, you know, holidays that we'd have or being, you know, with his family, he, he just really embraced, you know, our, our traditions and it made, you know, all of those things just that much more, sure. you know, enjoyable. Um, he was, he was really sort of creative and artistic. So that would be another one, which I am absolutely not. So, <laughs> you know, him loving to do, you know, an art project or, you know, building a crazy Lego or, you know, he would, I remember when he was really young, he went and actually wrote like a, you know, a book, like a, you know, wow. you know not a, not a lengthy book, but it was, you know, a 20 page thing. And he had us, you know, we like bound it for him and everything. So he, he was really, you know, creative and, you know, we often wonder, you know, what he would have done with that, um, you know, in, in life, if he had gotten the opportunity. Um, and then, you know, I would say his companionship awesome. is, is another, I mean, he, he, and I'm going to try not to, you know, break up here, but he really was, you know, best friend to me you know we did we did everything together <clears throat> whether it was you know sports like I said we probably we probably saw you know 300 movies in the theater together we both loved going to the movies we went out you know all the time so you know he was a kid that you know was was really willing to spend time you know with his dad which is very you know very special to me so I think I, I don't know if that's six or seven, but I think I'm coming close here. <laughs> to be honest with you, Josh, it doesn't matter because everything <laughs> everything you just said was incredible. And 
I don't know how to sit here and tell you enough how grateful and all of our listeners are for you being able to share the story and even in the awareness about everything that happened and being as open as you could about his story. Um, I feel honored to be able to have brought this out to the world and um, I can't thank you enough for, for introducing me to somebody as tough as nails, as you said earlier, because his story is incredible and you have one incredible family as well behind you. And I think that's something that your son, Jake would also agree with is that you have very special family. So thank you so much for sharing thank this you. all. No, thank, thanks for letting me, uh, letting me share it with your listeners. Appreciate it. Folks. Uh, I told you in the beginning that this was an extremely special episode. Um, I've had the honor of knowing Josh and, being friends and teammates with him and um, and being able to come on our share with you all something so challenging and stressful. It's something that him and his family did together. They were in the trenches and yet they came out of those trenches as hard and sad as it was as a true family with true love. And just like Josh talked about his son, Jake, he is just tough as nails. And I know for, we're all very grateful for sharing this. So as I finish every episode, folks, um, this was one of the best ones I've had, if not the best. I thank you all for listening. We hope to continue these episodes, spreading the MES to the world, sharing the love, and continue us all to fight to be tough as nails. So our final statement, lesson have a balance, everything be better. It's been an honor and a pleasure tonight. And we'll see you next time on Create a Mess. Thank you. <laughs>